You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Time to get your geek on. I am so excited to be able to share these booking conditions, terms and conditions with you for so many reasons. If you have not heard the story, and I promise I will do a podcast episode very soon that goes into the detail of what it's like to be a business owner that gets taken to arbitration. And I am so glad that we did that experience because one of the byproducts of having navigated that experience is that we sat down with our contract lawyer and worked through an updated version of our contract terms and conditions. Now, big, fat, giant disclaimer, you cannot sue me. I do not give you the authority to sue me because I am not a lawyer. I am going to tell you that right up front. Our contract lawyer has reviewed these, but that does not mean you need to or that you should immediately assume it's appropriate for your business. You will hear me talk about this concept as I walk through the terms and conditions, but you need to decide some key logistics and make decisions that are right for your business based on how you want to run your business. I want to pass on these terms and conditions to give you a place to start. Absolutely. Save these terms and conditions, open it up in a new Google Doc, make some changes, but please do your future self a favor, enlist the help of a contract lawyer. I'll tell you right now, you will save a few dollars because we have done a lot of the thinking for you, but your terms and conditions need to be relevant to your business how you want to run your business, and they need to be appropriate for the state and or the country that you operate in. Now, let us get on with the show. Ooh, but before I go, please make sure you share these terms and conditions with all of your flower friends. Give it away. Send it to all the people. Print it out. Put it in the letterbox of every floral designer you have ever come across. Forward it to them. Email it to them. It doesn't matter. Just share the love. And my friends, I hope that this is useful. Don't forget, this PDF and these terms and conditions will sit in my big-ass folder of free shiz for florists. So if you've already got access to my big-ass folder of free shiz for florists, then it's in there. And if you don't... Click the link in the show notes or you can visit fourflorists.com backslash all the things. It's fourflorists.com backslash all the things. It's a PDF. It sits in there. It's about 100 pages long. I'm kidding. I think it's seven. It's seven pages long. Obviously, pick up the pieces that are relevant to you. Delete the bits that are not. Enlist the help of a contract lawyer. Your future self will love you 
for it. Enjoy the show. So it's hard to say whether this section is going to be the most boring and mundane or the most fascinating. Because although terms and conditions might feel like a minor detail, one of those beautiful things about this year of 2020 is that has really shone a light in terms of how important your terms and conditions are. And what is really fascinating is that in order to put together a mm, effective set of terms and conditions, you need to have thought through a few different scenarios in your business. So from my point of view, what I am hoping to achieve today is that I'm going to pass along to you a starting point. I have compiled an updated set of terms and conditions. Our contract lawyer has looked at them, but I am not a lawyer. This is not a lawyering type of environment. So please don't come to me and ask for advice on your specific business scenario. Remember as well that our terms and conditions are also in alignment with the consumer law in Australia. And I will tell you right now, consumer law in Australia is one of my favorite things about this country. For all of my friends who are based in the US, I know that you operate in a very litigious environment. So please be mindful. The document that includes all of the terms and conditions you have access to and you can use that as a starting point. But I do 100% recommend that you enlist the help of a contract lawyer. Now, it's a very specific niche of law and if you are so inclined, it can be incredibly fascinating. The details and the logistics involved in terms of crafting an effective set of terms and conditions for your business are going to be the brainchild of you, your lawyer, and the law that already exists in your operating environment. Please remember that. But on the flip side, if you don't have a set of terms and conditions, have never thought about terms and conditions, now is the perfect time. So you can go in and you can grab the document that I have provided and I, like I hesitate to say, you'll, I'm gonna guarantee you that you could save money, but going to a contract lawyer and saying, hey, here's a starting point, can we sit down and review this together? is a much more powerful place to be in than turning to a contract lawyer and saying, I don't even know where to begin. So the whole point of this training is to make sure you understand a few of the key ins and outs. And obviously, stating the most obvious statement of 2020, in the environment of COVID, changing social gathering restrictions and gathering restrictions as implemented by the government are important to keep in mind. So, if you haven't updated your terms and conditions in a while, you can also use this as an opportunity to do that. There's four guiding principles I want to share with you when it comes to your business and your 
terms and conditions. I think the whole area of terms and conditions is something that feels very intimidating to us and therefore feels very intimidating to our clients. But the first thing I want you to know is that you have rights. You run a business, you have power, you have authority. Please don't default and assume you just need to give all of your money back to your customers. I want you to become aware of standing in your power because the most important thing about your terms and conditions is it forces you now while you have a clear rational head to think through different scenarios of what might happen in the future. Now, I used to be a naive business owner and I used to be like, oh, whatever, it'll totally be fine. I am superwoman. It ain't no thing. And then the first experience we went through was the fairly catastrophic extreme weather conditions, heat and the bushfires, then very quickly followed by flooding earlier this year. And then, of course, the recent COVID-19 experience. So although it's very unlikely that any of us have actually planned for and thought about how to navigate a global pandemic as a business owner, what an amazing thing to be going through right now. You can use this as an opportunity to help inform decisions in the future. One of the best pieces of advice that I'm going to pass along to you that I received from my sister-in-law, who is a contract lawyer, is businesses learn and adapt their terms and conditions, oftentimes in response to things that have happened. So if up until this point in time, you haven't had a clear set of terms and conditions, you get to respond and you get to implement them now moving forward. If you had a very basic preliminary set of terms and conditions, now you get to implement something a bit more robust and move forward. So don't be beating yourself up about not having a substantial set of terms and conditions up until this moment. But the context in which these terms and conditions are really helpful is to encourage you to think through the worst case scenario. What happens if you get sick? What happens if a family member gets sick? What happens if one of your staff member gets sick? What happens in extreme weather conditions, family emergencies, supplier issues, product quality issues, higher items, delivery, pack down, set down, all of the bits and pieces. It can feel overwhelming, which is exactly why I've supplied you with a place to begin. There's a lot of content, a lot of detail in these terms and conditions. And of course, Please pick up the elements that are most relevant to you, leave the other bits and pieces behind, adapt, change, modify the specific conditions to fit your business. At the end of the day, it's so important to understand that you need to set up these terms and conditions to suit your business. I have put some very detailed descriptions in our terms and conditions because it's compelling and relevant to me. You get to make exactly the same decisions for you. Guiding principle number three is use your terms and conditions as an opportunity to educate your clients. Educate, educate, educate. One of the things I used to be terrified of with terms and conditions is that I was going to come across as like a push, like somebody who was like really pushy or like a bully or like really too like aggressive. 
confrontational. When in actual fact, it's exactly the opposite. Your terms and conditions are there to help inform your clients of what's going to happen in various worst case scenarios. It's the perfect opportunity for you to showcase your expertise and to clarify with your clients that you have actually thought through all of the things. You want your clients to feel reassured by the fact that you have already thought through these situations, right? This is not an environment about threat or intimidation. This is an opportunity to educate. And directly off the back of that is point number four. This is a partnership. The definition of a contract is that it is the meeting of two parties. It is actually about collaboration and partnership, not about you being a dictator to your clients. So having said that, it's really important to remember in almost all cases that I know of, just because you've written something into your terms and conditions doesn't make it legal. Your terms and conditions are there to guide, but in a court of law, in tribunal or arbitration, it's very possible that there is an existing consumer law that is going to trump your terms and conditions. So depending on where you operate, you might decide, you, dear client, you owe all of your money on the minute that you book, even though your wedding is 376 months from now. There's going to likely be a consumer law in your state that says, uh, no. <laughs> but you don't know that until you talk to a lawyer and get input. But remember, one of the most important things about your terms and conditions, it's about educating your clients meeting your client where they're at, protecting your business, and using it as an opportunity to proactively showcase and educate your clients on the fact that you've already thought through heaps of what-if scenarios. This is not about intimidation, threats, or taking them to court. This is about talking them through the fact that you've already thought through various real-life situations that can happen. At the end of the day, I want you to approach your terms and conditions as the perfect opportunity to demonstrate your expertise and actually proactively build a better relationship with your client. And I know that that sounds a little bit crazy. It's a very different perspective to come to your terms and conditions with. But do not be surprised if you open your eyes to the fact that your terms and conditions are about educating your client reminding them that you have already thought through the what-if scenarios and being clear in terms of what the booking terms and conditions are, they are going to feel a level of reassurance. And because of that, do not be surprised if they come to you and be like, yeah, we totally trust you. Whatever you want to do on the wedding day is totally fine. That, my friends, is very possible. So answering one of your very functional questions, how and when do I go through the terms and conditions? We go through our terms and conditions with our client when we're going through the final quote, kind of administration paperwork exercise. It's one of the very last steps before they pay their 25% initial deposit. At this moment in time, I would highly recommend that you actually take the time to talk through key aspects of your terms and conditions with your clients. Up until earlier this year, I would have said it's fine to email them through, 
But now my recommendation is to make a date. Go through things in detail, either in person or online via Zoom, talking them through over the phone. I would even suggest that you actually take a PDF of your terms and conditions and post it to your website. In my opinion, businesses that have an updated set of terms and conditions in the current environment should be using that as a massive selling tool. Because if your business is adapting to the changing needs of your customers, that is reason to celebrate. So I would show up on social media, I would promote it on your website, I would make it really accessible to your clients because it's proof that your legitimate that your business is being run by a very sophisticated professional person. And that is a great story to tell. So let us get into the details. As I said, this is all wrapped up in a big giant document of multiple pages. I am going to go through and just touch on some key aspects, but I am not going to bore you to tears with every single detail that you could possibly imagine. I think if I counted this correctly, there are 17 kind of key headlines or sections to our terms and conditions. I'm going to go through those 17 sections one at a time. So at the top of our terms and conditions, the beginning of our terms and conditions or like the contract is actually just a detailed version of the quote. So everything is reiterated there. And then these booking terms and conditions are kind of appendixed, added on after the pages of the quote. We do use an online client management software system that allows these contracts to be signed electronically. As of 2020, I 100% support the investment of that kind of system so that you have proof documentation that the contract has been signed by your clients. And when you have an online client management system, you can then insert in specific places where they actually need to add in initials as well as their signature at the bottom. So they could go through each one of these sections and actually include an initial. So they kind of have to read it a little bit in more detail. But from a big kind of picture quote point of view, we will say that our quote's valid for 30 days. Really important, this next line. We cannot hold dates or provide tentative bookings. To confirm your quote and secure your date, we require an initial non-refundable 25% payment as well as approval of these terms and conditions. Two things I want to point out. The way that your lawyer recommends that you talk about a deposit, a retainer, initial payment is going to vary. Talk to your lawyer. For us, and for those of you who are in Australia, I would recommend that you go with something like an initial non-refundable 25% payment. We don't call it a deposit. We don't call it a retainer, but talk to your lawyer. The third point under quotes is it is your responsibility to review all event details, including the date, wedding venue, and quantities of items to be delivered. Do not be surprised if your clients, when you show up on the day, say, oh, I thought I ordered one more buttonhole. Oh, I thought we had one more table arrangement. Oh, I thought you knew that there was two bridesmaids. 
all of that has happened to me. So please go out of your way to get your clients to review the specific quantities of the items on the quote. Booking confirmation. So to highlight here, we very explicitly say the initial payment is non-refundable. It is compensation for our work done to date and is required to secure our services for your date because it precludes us from booking another event on your date. My friends, that line is so important. Particularly, it will all become abundantly clear when I tell you the story of being taken to court by one of our clients so that she could get her deposit back. But this explanation as to why the deposit is non-refundable can hold up in a court of law and is really important to communicate to your clients about why it is non-refundable. Because you need to remember at this moment in time, when your clients enlist your services for their wedding, they assume all of the work that you must do only seems to happen on the day of their wedding. Your clients and your customers have no concept of what needs to happen in terms of planning flowers, ordering flowers, creating the recipes, navigating staff, all of the planning and event management side of things that we seem to take for granted, your client has no concept. Your client has no idea that you've already spent money by the time they pay their 25% initial payment. So be really helpful and educate them on the fact that, hey, this is why it's non-refundable. If you want to go in and change any of these little details that are in here, go for it. But definitely remember getting a lawyer to help you navigate the situation is really, really important. Payment terms. We ask that our clients pay their 25% initial payment to secure us for the date. Then we say balance is owing 30 days before the wedding date. Changes to the quote. We are happy to make changes to the quote. We do require that if they want to make changes to the quote, they need to write us, right? So they need to actually email us and we've inserted an email address 30 days or more before their event date. We have also in our changes to the quote section written, please note the final quote amount cannot be reduced by more than 10% from the original agreed upon estimate. This is a question I get a lot around what is our tolerance for changes to the quote. If your clients are at all hesitant, let us say, for example, they know they're going to have two bridesmaids and they want cake flowers and a flower crown and something for mom. They're contemplating whether they want to invest in a ceiling installation, but they're like, oh, well, now that I know that the quote can't change by more than 10%, you can always suggest to them that they can go with the list of items that they know for certain and then add on the installation at a later date. However you want to navigate that conversation and that situation with your client is totally up to you. This is why when I say these terms and conditions are a place to begin, they are literally a place to begin because you need to think through what your tolerance is for changes to the scope of work. 
you need to think through how you want your clients to advise you if they want to make changes, right? These might seem like subtle details, but these are incredibly important business decisions to be making. So feel free to use any and everything that I've written out here, but also remember you can adapt it to suit your business. Event cancellations. If the client decides to cancel this agreement, it must be done in writing to this email address at least 30 days before the event. Events canceled within 30 days of the event remain payable in full, regardless of the circumstance. If you cancel your event and provide more than 30 days notice, the initial payment still remains non-refundable and money paid over and above the initial payment will be refunded back to the client. We have added in here the fact that we, the business, reserve the right to cancel the contract at any time. In this instance, we will provide a refund to our clients, including the initial 25% payment. So did you know you can decide at any point in time to cancel on a client for whatever reason you decide. I would absolutely, out of phenomenal customer service, provide a recommendation of who else they can talk to. But should you decide that you want to make changes in your business, should you decide that you want to make changes in your life, should you decide that something else has come up in your life that's more important and you want to decline work that's on your calendar, you can do that. The power of being a CEO. In the bucket of rescheduled and relocated events, the client must advise of any change to the event venue or event date in writing. Yes, we will do our best to accommodate new dates or location changes. However, we cannot guarantee availability. If we are unavailable on the new date or unable to accommodate the change of venue, the initial 25% payment remains non-refundable. If we are available on the new date or are able to accommodate your venue change, the initial payment made will be transferred to the new date. A new contract and quote will be drawn up taking into account the changed circumstances. Yes, so important to remember. The most fundamental terms of your current contract with your client are the wedding date and the venue. If either of those terms change, you can suggest, and I would mm, implore you to go out there and tell your client you're going to put a new contract together. Price variations. We reserve the right to amend or change the pricing outlined in this quote in the event of cost changes beyond our control, i.e. wholesale flower prices in Australia and New Zealand in 2020. We will make every effort to honor the original agreed price. However, the current volatile nature of shipping dramatically impacts wholesale flower prices. Any price increases will be formally advised to you in writing and a recommendation provided at least 14 days prior to your event date. So in this circumstance, where you're thinking, what the heck do I do with my clients who have a signed contract, but now wholesale flower prices are, in some cases, twice as expensive as they were, how do I navigate this situation? Highly recommend that you incorporate something like this into your contract. Product substitutions and availability. All flowers and foliage are subject to seasonal quality and availability. So this whole section here is all about educating your clients on the fact that we don't have control over flowers. We are dealing with mother nature. 
We don't have control over exact color, shades of specific products, etc., etc., etc. The other thing to be aware of is that containers and vases may change due to supplier issues. We will substitute the selected product with items of greater or equal value in line with the overall look and feel for the event. Refunds will not be given for minor changes in flower type or appearance. This section here is such an amazing opportunity to educate your clients on the logistics involved in getting flowers. Delivery, a very simple statement that says upon delivery or collection, the client assumes all responsibility and care for flowers and designs. Hired items. Now this may not apply to you. Obviously, if you don't do any sort of hired item, you can just ignore this section. But it talks through the logistics of when we're expecting to get things back, being really clear in terms of the higher cost, higher fees, and making sure that the client understands it's their responsibility to communicate to the guests at the wedding that these are hired items and that they can't take them. Otherwise, we, the business, will charge them full price for replacement. This is a section around photographs and videography. So we retain the right to photograph all finished work and use our photographs of your wedding in our marketing efforts. So that might include social media, brochures, websites, Pinterest, advertising, magazines, subscriptions, other publications, always related to self-promotion and marketing. Now, I am really mindful of not taking a lot of pictures. I might take them for my own purposes, but I wouldn't necessarily use them in marketing. Taking photos of the bride and groom that are not the professional photos. In this instance, I'm talking much more around photographing our own work. It happens to be at their wedding, but it's our work. I am very kind when it comes to our clients, and it's like, I don't want to ruin their wedding day by taking pictures of them and their dress and all the stuff if they don't want me to, right? Be empathetic. But when it comes to us being able to take pictures of our work and use them for our own promotion, I want our client to know that we have the right to do that. Photos taken by us of your arrangements remain our property. Our photos are not to be reproduced, copied, or edited in any way by you or any third party without our prior permission. Any photos provided to us by your photographer will be used by us for promotion and marketing of our business. Photographer's credits will only be displayed if requested. We reserve the right to hire an independent photographer to capture our work on the day. Usage of these images will be limited to our own marketing and self-promotion applications. A section specific to installation and large-scale designs. It is the client's responsibility to make sure that they are liaising with the venue to say, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. Is it okay? You don't have to take on that job. The responsibility remains with the client to seek required permissions from the venue to construct any hanging, suspended, or other uncommon floral installations. We cannot be held responsible or liable for any instances where work cannot be completed or achieved due to a lack of permission or safety at the venue. A few caveats if your clients are supplying their own structures or their own vases. Please ask them to confirm that they are watertight before they provide them to you. It's a waste of your time and your precious energy if that's something that you need to go through. If the client is supplying their own archway or ceremony structure, 
the client is responsible for making sure it is securely, and I mean fucking securely, anchored into the ground. Wind, rain, maybe the weight of Oasis, the weight of the product that you're going to be attaching it to. They have no concept when they're putting an archway up that it's going to turn into a giant sail. And anytime you start to attach foliage and florals and fabric to these archways, the likelihood that it's going to fall over increases. They don't know this. They've never done this before, etc., etc. We will not provide refunds for any work that cannot be completed by us on the event day due to faulty or unsafe materials provided by the client. And privacy. This is what I find really fascinating because I think it should apply regardless of whether you're dealing with a famous person or a not famous person because I think it is respectful to not be talking about how much your clients have spent and the items that have been included on their quote to any other clients. It's like a personal kind of situation that I have. It doesn't matter if the person's famous or not. You don't need to go out and tell everybody, oh yeah, this is how much this person spent and this is how much this person spent. And then you ask exactly the same in response. You ask that your clients do not disclose and do not chit chat and do not share with other people how much they have agreed to spend on their wedding flowers. Of course, this isn't going to like prevent them from having conversations with people, but you do want to raise this with them to deter them from automatically just going out and being like, oh yeah, we're spending $30,000 on our wedding and this is what we're getting. Now, this, my friends, probably is going to be a familiar concept to you, but it's called the force majeure clause. This is where you definitely want to do your research and get a lawyer involved. Force majeure is basically a statement in your contract that eliminates liability on both sides if there is an act of God. Whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God is not relevant. By legal standards, this is considered things like pandemics, random acts of crazy weather conditions, hurricanes, tornadoes, totally just absolutely random acts. Something that could not have necessarily been prevented with better planning, totally out of our control. In this instance, it's going to apply to both parties in the relationship. In our version of our terms and conditions, we are saying in the instance of the force majeure event results in the cancellation or of a relocation, relocation within 30 days of the event date, the wedding date is unable to be rescheduled or relocated. The client agrees that they will pay, we will retain the original payment and the amount equivalent to the cost of any flowers or materials purchased by us to meet our obligations under this agreement. So if you have already bought containers, if you're having money that's owed to the wholesaler, if you've already paid staff, all of that stuff, right, needs to be covered for in this clause. It's very possible. We have had one instance where our client's wedding venue actually burnt down a few months before the wedding. They ended up finding a different location and we worked through 
a slightly different set of logistics, but these things happen. So it doesn't need to just be COVID related. There's a lot of crazy random acts that happen. Understanding what needs to happen in the instance of the force majeure is really important. And it can happen on both sides. Something might happen in your world where you are then unable to actually fulfill your side of the contract. Something might happen in your client's world where they are unable to fulfill their side of the contract. Now, the new section that's being added to everybody's terms and conditions, and this includes like travel, this includes buying and selling houses, this includes home loans, like crazy things that everybody's now adding in a section of the impact of COVID-19. Four things I want you to think about. We take public health very seriously and adhere to all health and safety requirements. Masks, gloves, proper sanitary measures, and social distancing are a part of our basic service standards. Where we cannot safely perform our duties as a direct result of COVID-19, we will advise the client in writing. Should we be required to quarantine in the lead up to your event date, we will advise you in writing and provide you with our plan of action. Should someone from your event contract COVID-19, it's your responsibility to advise us in writing as soon as possible. Remember, we are in a very different situation than photographers, caterers, hair and makeup people, I don't even, celebrants, right? We can almost always do our job without having to come into contact with another human being. So we need to navigate social distancing within our own team, but almost every instance we can drop flowers off, we can be at the venue doing setups, installations, ceremony setups, without needing to be around a lot of people. The only instance where you might need to think about this is if the venue is asking you to come and pack down and there are still going to be dozens of wedding guests around, be mindful of that. Put your health as the priority. You are allowed to draw the line. Whatever you feel is your requirement in how to navigate a global pandemic from a personal health and safety point of view is totally valid. The last section talks about extreme weather conditions. Now, if you live in Australia, most of the time you're going to be talking about extreme wind, extreme rain, or extreme heat. And then if you live somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere, you might also want to add in here extreme cold. Of course, again, we will always put safety first and we'll follow government advice regarding any event, including flooded roads and bushfire evacuations. We cannot be held liable for the impact extreme weather conditions have on our ability to safely do our job. The third point to communicate, extreme temperatures and high winds have a dramatic impact on flowers. While we would do our best to go above and beyond, we cannot be held responsible for damaged florals as a result of weather. So helpful to go through the key points of the terms and conditions with your clients. I would highly recommend that you do this over the phone, do it via Zoom, do it actually having a real conversation with them so that they can comprehend what needs to happen. And I want you to know. If your clients decide to not book with you because of your terms and conditions, that is their decision. You get to lay out for them the options available to them. They can decide to pay the initial payment 
which is non-refundable, to book you in for the event date, or they can run the risk that you are not going to be available. That is their decision to make. Your job is to simply tell them the facts and talk them through what is going to happen in the cases of some key, very top of mind, what if scenarios. As I said, this whole document is available for you to access. Please enlist the help of a contract lawyer. Please understand the rights that you have as a business owner. And please use this as an opportunity to build a better relationship with your clients. Don't be scared by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Use it as an opportunity to demonstrate your business's planning foresight and use it as an opportunity to proactively educate your clients on what's going to happen should something untoward arise.